Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Well, we're on our fourth and final Sunday of this series, Choose Joy. And, and as Nancy read to you, we're in the fourth chapter. And I love how Paul starts this passage of scripture out. He starts it out by saying, therefore, my beloved and long far brethren, he, he had really a heart to go see them. He had really a compassion to be with them. And he, he calls them here, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord beloved. I, I want to read that from the New Living Translation also, because there the translator said, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends for you are my joy and crown I receive for my work. And of course, we've been studying the fourth chapter for several weeks, preparing for today. And, and as I was preparing, I just got to thinking about how uh, Paul loved that church. And, and I got to thinking about how much I love Life Church, how much Nancy loves Life Church. And, and really, our staff, when we get together, there's so much love and, and, and thinking about you and how God has helped you. And, and as of today, we're one church in two locations. I know that, that it's been a few weeks since I've been to Friendswood, but I, my, my love for you and, and how much I care for you and how thankful I am for all that God has done. And, and just a few weeks, we'll go from uh, one church in two locations to one church in three locations. And of course, uh, Pastor Nick has already talked to you about the events that took place at our League City campus last uh, yesterday. Beautiful time. Tonight, there's a special service there for our young adults. And, and I'm just thankful for what God is doing. And, and I, I want to just let the Lord keep moving, keep doing things. And I think it's important for us to enjoy the blessings of God in our life. Amen? How many of you enjoy the blessings of God in our life? And so Paul, as he's talking about this, he's talking about how he's their joy, how he is, loves them. And, and then that fourth verse, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. There used to be a song that we would sing, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Anybody ever heard that? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. And it ends, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Amen. Now, you've heard two Kilgores sing today. I don't want any voting. I don't want any favorites. <laughs> You will hear one sing more, probably the other one not so much. But I just felt that song in my heart today because I want to rejoice in the Lord always. This is a commandment that Paul has given to the church. This is a commandment that the Lord, uh, the Lord wants us to take and make a decision on that I am just going to live my life rejoicing in all that the Lord has done for me. Amen. Now, as Paul has written this book, 
each chapter, and of course we know that the chapters were added later, but as he goes through each of the four main thoughts of this book, he has added to that something that could damage our joy or destroy our joy, and and of course he does it in this passage of scripture too. In the fourth chapter, in the sixth verse, he says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to the Lord. So, so anxious means that I am really halfway between fear and hope. <laughs> that's, that's not a very comfortable place to be. I'm, I, I have hope and, and I have a little bit of fear and I'm halfway in between them and and it just leaves me in a space where I am anxious, where I feel anxious, where I, I feel like that I'm being pulled apart. I'm, I feel like that I am divided. And, and, and there's three things that happen when we face anxiety, when we face worry. And, and the first one is just worry. We, we have our worry. We worry about a lot of things. Anybody else uh, worry about things? I know that I do. You know, I worry. I worry about health. I worry about finances. I worry about family. Um, I don't know if any of you know this, but it's a hurricane season. I worry about catastrophes. I worry about all kinds of things. And, and, and this is part of our life. We, we are concerned. The, the key is that I don't let that worry overcome me so that I move into the place where I'm anxious. I learn to use the worry to help me to prepare and help me motivate myself to move into areas where I am uh, taking care of the things that I'm concerned about so that they don't become overwhelming. But there's a lot of people in the world that have a lot of different fears. As a matter of fact, there are over 500 documented phobias or fears. And I, I'll just talk to you about a, a little, a few of them. There is nomophobia, nomophobia. Now, I, I have a feeling that everybody in this room, while you don't know what nomophobia is, you've suffered from it from time to time. And nomophobia is just the fear of being separated from your iPhone. Anybody ever felt that? Where's my phone? Where did it go? Uh, I have to be real honest with you. I've actually been talking on my phone before and been looking for it just anxiously. Where did I put my phone down at? Where is it? You know, um, uh, nomophobia. Arithmophobia. This is something that I personally have suffered with, especially in fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, fear of arithmetic. Amen. Fear of arithmetic. You know, dreading math class and, 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 and the fear of arithmetic. There's also octophobia, octophobia, which is people that are afraid of the number eight. I don't know if there's anybody in the room here that is fearful of the number eight, but if you are, then you have octophobia. Now, here's a phobia, and, and bear with me as I try to pronounce this. It's hippopotamostrokashaquiplaophobia. I wish I could have put that on the board for you. It's simply the fear of long words, and I've actually experienced that when I started reading that word. You know, there, there's just a lot of fears. I, I actually found one on the uh, YouTube. I wanted to share it with you. It's something that I've also battled with. So uh, check out this little short video of this uh, fear. Go to mommy. What? 
Oh, hi, Mommy. Oh, hi, Emmy. I can't go to bed. I'm scared. What are you scared of? Scared back buckles. Scared of broccoli. A good friend of mine, Kevin Malone, had a lot of fear of broccoli. It was exposed in one of the uh, meetings that they had on the office, and he was able to get through it. But, you know, a lot of people face these type of fears. And, and, and this is something, and I know that's kind of funny, but, but truly people are, are paralyzed by some of these fears. And, 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 and I know that they're real, but I also know that worry has a tendency to completely own our life. It's something that if we don't have the ability to overcome, that, that it can just dominate our thoughts. Um, we all know, or we should know, it is in the Word of God that our worries can change nothing. We, we know that. We, we know that it can't change anything, and, and the thing that we need to understand is that when we give ourselves to worry, it can actually hurt us. It can help us, but it could hurt us. Then there's the, the other thing that we've talked about, and I, I think I mentioned it in the first sermon in this series, is we, we sometimes are anxious because of our whys, the, the why questions, the why did this happen to me, and, and, and why did that happen to them, and, and why didn't this happen to me, and why didn't this, it, 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 and I go back to what I said, there's just not many answers in those why questions, and and the, the problem with continually rehearsing those questions over and over again, why didn't this happen and why did this happen and why me and why us? And, and, and it leads to a place that can be very frustrating in our life. And what I have seen is that sometimes those why questions and lead to frustration, which leads to anger with God. So we have these worries, we have these whys, and, and then we have these who's. Everybody say who. We, we all have people that make us anxious and we all have people that, that can create anxiety in our life. We all have, dare I say it, crazy relatives, amen. I'll just, I'll just say it. N none of my relatives that are here today are in friends, but I'm not talking about you. But, but there's crazy relatives. You know, we, we don't want to go to the Christmas uh, family gathering because of the crazy relative. We, we, we don't want to go here, and, or, or maybe it's not a crazy relative. Maybe it's a mean boss that brings anxiety into our life, or a, a cruel co-worker, or, or, or it's just somebody. And I think everybody probably has a who in your life that brings anxiety. And, and if you don't have a who, then, then maybe you ought to go look in the mirror because maybe you are the who. But my prayer today is that we will see healing from anxiety and that we will have a baptism of joy, that we truly will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, Jesus talked about anxiety in the book of Luke chapter 12, verse 22 through 25. This is what he said. This is the words from the mouth of our Savior. He said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, <laughs> Well, we're, we're worrying about things like how much gas costs and, and, and you know, um, what time does the, I, I'm not going to mention cheese enchiladas. Let's just skip that today. 
And, and Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm going to take it to another level. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. And then he says something that is so powerful. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. God feeds them. God cares about them. God loves them. This is part of his creation. This is part of his plan to have this beautiful nature that is around us. And then he goes on to say, of how much more value are you than the birds? More value. In other words, he sees our eternal soul. He, he sees the fact that, that our purpose and, and part of his kingdom is so important that, that how much more does he value us than the birds which he cares about and feeds and takes care of and not one of them drops without the eye of the Father being on them? And that is a way that he's showing us how much more he loves us. I know that we have incredible national budgets and the world is spending money on food and God spends more resources on feeding the animals and the birds of the air than, than we could put together with all of the money of the finances that we have in the world. That, that's how much he loves us. He loves us more than even these. And then he ends this statement by saying, and which of you by worry can add one cubit to his stature? My, my dad was born with a hole in his heart. I don't know if many of you have heard this testimony, and it stunted his growth. As a matter of fact, dad was um, at the age of 19, he was five foot two, no, I'm sorry, four foot 11, and, and he weighed under 100 pounds. He was very tiny, and, and um, it was at the beginning of World War II, he went down to sign up, and, and the doctor looked across the the, as he was signed, probably the recruiter looked across and said, you go on home, sonny boy, you're too young. Of course, dad was offended, marched right home, got his birth certificate, came back, look how old I am, I'm old enough to sign up. And, and they, they took him in for examinations. And, and during the examinations, they discovered the reason that he was so small of stature is because he had this hole in his heart. And of course, he started praying uh, he couldn't go uh, to enlist, so he ended up going to uh, Bible college. And, and he, he's told the story about how he would hang on to the bed and he'd have his roommates pull his legs as hard as they could so that he could add one inch to his stature. It didn't work. Probably messed his back up, if anything. And then finally, God healed him one night. And from the time he was 19 until the time he was turned 21, he grew 11 inches. He ended up being five foot 10 and um, he put on weight. I won't mention how much weight he put on. Amen. Out of respect to him. We can't add anything. It's, it's God is in control. God is in control of my life. God is in control of my coming and my going. God is in control of everything that is in my life. And this is what rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is really the meat of the message. I will trust the Lord in all of my ways. In all of my circumstances. 
in all of the things that may happen in my life. I, I may not understand them. I may not be able to comprehend why this is taking place, but I will trust the Lord because I know that he loves me and I know that he cares about me and I know that he will see me through. Philippians chapter four, Paul is writing, he says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. In other words, there was one time, Church of Philippi, that you blessed me with offerings, you helped me, and, and then there was a gap. I don't know what happened, but there was a gap in their giving, and, and now he's saying it's, it's again, and I, I appreciate it so much. I'm sure the, the name of the man that we heard, Epaphrodotus, is the one that delivered him their offering, and, 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 and he goes on to say, I understand you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Maybe he was locked up and they couldn't get to him, I, I don't know. But he goes on to say, not that I speak in regard of need. I'm thankful for your blessings and I'm thankful for how you are supporting me again and I'm thankful for the offering, but I want you to understand something, church in Philippi, not that I speak in regard of need. I have learned uh, in whatever state I am to be content. I've learned this. This is, the, this is something that, that has happened. And this isn't something that Paul uh, learned when he received the Spirit. As a matter of fact, when he received the Spirit and God called him, it, it, was, it was not peace and contentment. He was blind and wandering around and wondering, what is the next thing that I should do? It is something that he learned. And, and again, I emphasize to you that Paul, in this letter, is not just writing to rejoice and to be happy, but he's writing to a church telling them, I I want you to step up. I want you to step forward. I want you to mature. I want you to become strong in the Lord. And, and part of the lesson is I've learned to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He, he's saying, I do not have control of the circumstances that I'm in. I don't have the control, but I've learned that when I'm abounding, I'm going to still rejoice. Or when I am abased, I'm still going to rejoice. When I'm full, I'm going to rejoice. When I have nothing, when I suffer need, I'm going to rejoice. Paul is telling us here, listen to this. I may not can control my circumstances, but I can control my decision. And I make joy the decision that I will have in my life every day. Somebody say every day. Somebody say choose joy. I'm going to choose joy because it is the decision that I have made deep in my spirit. Let's talk about joy for life. And Paul gives us a great example here. I'll jump back up to verse number six. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. Everybody say prayer. So the number one thing that we can do to have joy in our life is to pray about everything. Pray about everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, pray about everything. Well, I, I just pray about the big things, Pastor. No, no, pray about everything. That's, that's what the scripture says. It is an ongoing, lasting dialogue with our God. It is an ongoing, lasting conversation with our Lord. Well, we're just talking to him about the things in our life. I, I, I want you to understand there's a difference here between prayer and between supplication. Paul is making the 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 the... the 
it known that there is a difference. And prayer is just our conversation with God, just talking to him about our day, talking to him about our life, talking to him about the things that are going on, talking to him about our concerns, talking to him about our fears, talking to him about the different things that are going on. It's just a constant dialogue with the Lord. And it is one of those habits that's like, like if you put money in the bank and it has compounding interest and, and, and you put it in there and then the next year there's a little bit more and then there's a little bit more and you just leave it there and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. That's the same way that the habit of prayer works in our life. When we just start opening up to God and on a daily basis talking to him, there's something about it that builds momentum. There's something about it that builds strength. There's something about it that builds the return on that prayer. So be anxious for nothing but in everything prayer bring prayer, address things to God, talk to things about God. I, I, call, I call Nancy all the time and just talk to her about things that just popped in my mind. Hey, I just wanted to tell you, I was thinking about this or thinking about this and this happened and, and she'll tell me things. And, and, and you know what? If somebody's listening from the outside, they'll say, man, that is a boring conversation. It's about a bunch of nothing. It's about, oh, I think that I'll water the plants tonight, or, oh, I, uh, we need to make sure that we get this, or, or, or I, I remember so-and-so said this to me a couple of months ago, and I've forgotten to tell you about it, and you're listening and you think, man, that's just, but you know what it is? It's life. It's sharing my life with my wife. It's my wife sharing her life with me, and that's what prayer is. It's just sharing life with God. It's just sharing things with God. It's just addressing things with God. It's just telling that, listen, it's better to talk to God about the traffic than cuss the person next to you. Can I hear a good amen? Hallelujah. It's better to tell God about the things that are going on in your life than to let it boil up and be mad at somebody else. It's, it's better to tell, your, uh, tell God about your mean boss than to walk in pouting every day. That's just going to compound the issue at your job. Talk to God. Everybody say talk to God. The other thing that he says in that passage of scripture is he says, make supplication or petitions. It's, it's a request. I, I want to talk to God. I want to let him know what's going on in my life. But there are things that I would like for the Lord to do things about. There are things in my life that I want him to answer it. I want him to solve it. I want him to help me. I and, and I have to be honest with you. Many times when I pray those prayers of supplication, I, I have very specific answers that I want God to give me and how I want him to handle it. Now, he, he is smarter than me. <laughs> and, and many times the way that he answers my supplication and petitions is on another level or in another way or in a way that I can't see it. But it's okay as long as I continue to bring those things to him I, with prayer and with supplication or petition. But all of those things, I use thanksgiving. When I pray, I'm thankful. When I supplement him or, or, or petition him, I do it with thanksgiving because I'm going to thank God in advance for the promises and the resources that I know that he's already put in my future. <laughs> this is something that we need to wrap our heads around. We need to wrap our heads around that before we were born, God knew the end from the beginning. 
God knew the story of Jim before I even breathed my first breath. He knew all of my ups and my downs. He knew all of my successes and he knew all of my failures. He knew all of the things that would make me happy and all of the things that would bring sorrow. And because he loves me much more than he loves the birds of the air, he has resourced my life with everything I need to walk through this life with joy and rejoicing. You know, I, in my thinking about preaching through this, I thought you'd be more excited about that point. <laughs> I thought this is a point that people are going to really be excited about. Because I, I, can I just stay there for a few minutes then? So let me just talk about next week. I don't know what's going to happen next week. Does anybody know what hap- is going to happen next week? If you do, come talk to me. I'd like some insight. If you have any lottery numbers that you know are going to hit, come talk to me. We we don't know what's going to happen, right? We we don't know what's going to happen. Guess who does know what's going to happen tomorrow? God knows. Turn to your neighbor and say, God knows. God knows. Guess who knows what's going to happen on Tuesday and, and on Wednesday and on Thursday and on Friday and on Saturday and all of the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays that are in the future. He knows about every one of them. And guess who he loves? He loves me. (laughs) And so whatever circumstance I face, he's going to be there. And he's going to help me. And because of that, I can have peace in my life. Hallelujah. I can walk with peace knowing how much he cares about me and how much he loves me and how much he's going to walk over me or watch over me. And and here's what we need to understand, that peace is the opposite of anxiety. Peace changes everything. Peace is why I can have joy in the middle of the storm. Peace is why I can go through circumstances and rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I know that no matter what happens, he has it all under control. So the first thing that I'm going to do, everybody say number one, I'm going to pray about everything. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to think about the right things. If I want to have joy in my life, I need to think about the right things. And in the world we're living in, that's a challenge, right? Because the world that we're living in focuses on the negative. That's what the news is. The news is negative. They don't have good news. It's just news. And what they're not telling you is it's the bad news. Or it's the sensational news. Or it's the news that we can use to make you upset. That's what it is. That's what news is. It's information, but it's given in a way that will cause anxiety. And so there's this report on COVID and, and, and we're upset, we're anxious and we're worried. And there's this, this report on Trump and we're furious and we're mad and we, we can't stand him and he's a liar. And then there's this Trump on Biden and we can't stand him and he's old and he's incompetent. And there's the, these Trump, the, the, the reports on Hillary and why isn't she in jail and, and, and on 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 and on. It goes. Reports on gas prices, reports on food shortages, reports on wars, and so much gets into our mind. And guess what happens? It affects us. Anybody want to be honest and say it affects you? 
I mean, it's something that is in our mind, in our life. And and Paul is saying, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. These things which you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. You see, what can happen is we can get in our minds so many things and we can think so many things and we can think so many issues and, and, and what happens is that is what becomes our life. We become that. Sin isn't something that just happens in your life. Sin is something that started back when you allowed a thought in, you allowed an anxiety in, you allowed a fantasy in that can control your life. Paul is saying, take these qualities into account and and, and reflect carefully upon them because they will shape your conduct. So I'm going to think on the things that are true, the things that are pure, I'm going to think on those things that, that, are, that are praiseworthy. Those are the things that I'm going to meditate on because when I think on those things, they're shaping my tomorrow. They're shaping how I will behave. They're shaping my future actions. Now, I left here um, last Sunday, and I didn't get to talk to anybody. I, I, that was a, not a good Sunday for me. I enjoyed preaching, but... Today was awesome being able to shake hands with so many people and hug so many people. It was just great to see you, great to be with you. And, 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 and when I left, I, I'm, I've recovered, I'm strong, I feel good today. And, and on Tuesday, amen, thank you. On Tuesday morning, I, I got up early and I, I went in my car down to the Galveston County Courthouse because I had been summoned to serve on a jury. And so I went in and and, and as I was going, and already I was thinking about today and preaching this message. As a matter of fact, I think I'd already turned some of my notes in that I was going to use today. And, 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 and when I got out of the car and, and went up and got in line, there was a long line. And, and, and when we finally got into the lobby, it was because everybody was going through these x-ray machines. So, so I'm standing there and I'm, I have the opportunity to watch multiple people go through and and, and uh, of course, there are some people that forgot they had keys in their pocket or their phone in their back pocket or they didn't take their belt off. And, and what would happen is they would go through the little box and it would go beep, beep, beep. And, and they would say, the, the person would say, go back out. And they'd go back out and they'd wait till it clears and, and try it again. And they would go through again. And if they didn't have it out of their pocket, they still beeping, they'd call them over and they, they'd do a body search and make sure that they didn't have any weapons or anything. One guy came in and, and he got right in the middle of it and he just stood up like this and like, no, no, sir, this isn't that type of machine. You just walk through, you know. I felt sorry for him, you know. And because this sermon's on my mind, I thought, how awesome would it be if we had one of those machines in our brain? And every time we started going through or a bad thought started going through that little tunnel that our brain would say, beep, 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 just hold it right there. Back up, clean your pockets out, clean your mind out, 
Get that negative thing out of your mind. Okay, now try and come through again. Okay, I'm going to take out the hate. I'm going to take out the racism. I'm going to take out the lust. I'm going to take out the envy. I'm going to take out all this. Let, Let me just keep the pure, the good, the lovely, the things that are of good report, the things that are praiseworthy. Let that be what I walk into. Hallelujah. Let that be what is in my mind. Let that be what I am thinking about. And then my last point, and I... I'm, I'm sorry. I just realized I preached too long, but hey, it's all right. Give myself permission. Third thing, everybody say number three. Trust God in all things. Listen to this, but I rejoice, verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard of need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everything and all things I've learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, now I believe one of the great messages that, are, that, are, that is in this passage of Scripture is that Paul is saying, I'm glad that you're hearing, but I want you to learn it. When, when I was growing up, most Sundays, dad would ask me, well, son, what did I preach about today? Now, knowing what I know now, if I would have been smart, I would have said, you tell me what you preach about. Do you remember? Of course, I would have gotten a whipping, so I didn't say that. But, you know, normally I would fumble around and say, uh, you preached about God. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I just wonder if I, if I call you today, just get ready. At 2 o'clock, I'm going to pick the phone up. I'm going to call somebody. I'm going to ask them, what did I preach about? Oh, pastor, it was so good. Yeah, I, well, what was it? God. This is what I think. I think we hear a lot of preaching. The question I have is how much are we learning? How much are we putting into our life? It's two things that's really easy for people to forget. Our faults and our instructions. And it's important that we learn. Paul, of course, has learned. He's had life experiences, and he's not just gone through life. He's learned from life, and, 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 and because he's learned, he's putting that, that message down, the contentment down, and, and again, it wasn't something that he learned quickly. It was something that he went through, and this is what he said. He said, this is part of what I've learned. We're going through this of learning to abound or learning to be in Wona, learning to, uh, uh, this is what I've learned. I've learned that I can do all things through Christ. Now, I know that's a scripture we use a lot, but in the context of the passage here, I want you to understand what Paul is saying is, I've learned that whatever the circumstances are in my life, if I follow God, if I trust him, And when I walk in his purpose, everything that he's asked me to do, 
I can do. Paul is not saying here, I can fly. I believe I can fly. He's not singing that song. This is a melody in my heart today. Come back at three for the concert. I don't know. What he's saying is, everything that God has asked me to do, through him I can do it. If it's to abound, I can do it. If it's to be abased, I can do it. He will supply. He will help. And he will see me through. He wrote something very similar to the church in Rome in Romans chapter 8 and 31. What then shall we say to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? We can trust God in all things. If you trust God this morning, will you just stand with me and let's give him a great hand clap of praise. Friends would stand with me. Give him a great hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. And just before I turn that service back to Pastor Tito, I want to I close with this. The, the last part of this beautiful book, the joy journey we've seen Paul on. And, and, and this is what he says in verse 21 through 23. Nancy read it, you read it. I'm going to read it to close out this series. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me, They send their greetings. They greet you. All the saints greet you. I I want you to just take a moment and think about the last part of that 22nd verse. Here's Paul in Rome, in prison. Here's Paul who didn't plan it this way, who didn't think that it was going to happen this way. Here's Paul who ended up wrapped up in chains with the Praetorian guard. This is the royal guard. These are the guys that are the elite. These are the guys that guard royalty. And because things didn't work out how he wanted them to work out, he's stuck in a prison. And while he's there, soldier that is on the right, he just starts talking to him about the goodness of God. Soldier that's on the left, he starts talking to him about how God saved him and changed him. And and this is what happens. Suddenly, those guards are being converted. History tells us that they changed the, the rotation of the guards in a quicker way because the guards that were assigned to Paul kept getting converted to Christianity. So they were trying to get it faster and faster. And, and, and here's why he can be content and here's why he can have joy because even though everything didn't work out the way he wanted it to work out and all of the circumstances didn't happen the way that he wanted them to happen, he is testifying and the message that he is testifying goes from the guard to their families and especially those who are of Caesar's household. Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Prayer team, if you'll come. Friends would prayer team come. Don't Stay with me just for a moment longer. I, I want you to look at what was accomplished. I want you to look at how even though it didn't go the way that Paul planned for it to go, it went the way that God planned for it to go. And everything turned out the way that God wanted it to turn out. And in the end, joy wins. We just turn to your neighbor and say, joy wins. Joy wins. So 
I don't know all the circumstances you're going through. But I'd like to give just a short testimony. Some of the worst things that have happened in my life. Things that happened when I actually prayed for God to kill me. I can look back on now and say, God, they meant it for evil or maybe I even meant it for evil. But you meant it for good. Can I have a testimony? Anybody see those things in your life? How difficult they were? Joy wins and we trust in God. So this is how I'd like to close the service here and in Friendswood before I turn it to Pastor Tito. I'd like for, I feel like at the end of this series that we just need to have an altar call for everybody in the church. And this is what I would invite you to do. I would invite everyone that will, that can, let's come as close as we can. The prayer team is here if you need specific prayer for a circumstance you're going through, for things that are happening in your life, then then come to them. But as Andrew leads us here, and just stay with us for one more minute, friends would. As Joseph or Bryce leads you there, I just want everyone to come and, and let's just let the Lord minister to our heart and let's leave here with joy in our spirit. Just come on. I want to pray for you as you're coming. Lord, thank you for everyone that's in Fridswood that is coming. And thank you for everyone here in Houston that is coming. I thank you, dear Lord, that you are the strength of our life, dear Lord. Your joy sustains us, helps us, walks with us through every difficult problem. And and I pray that even today there would be just a rejoicing, that anxiety would be destroyed, broken, shattered. And that you, oh God, would have your way, Lord, in everyone's life. And that even today there would be a rejoicing, a joy, and that someone would choose joy in their life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. I love you, friends. God bless you, Pastor T.